Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Right now, we're working our way through the great letter of Galatians, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, to Christians there, to encourage them in their understanding of the gospel, to encourage them to hold fast to Christ, to stand strong in the gospel, to not lose hope, to not add works to the gospel, but but to remind them that they're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and that the finished work of Christ, that Jesus is their standing and nothing else, not anything that they bring to the table. This is a, a great letter for us to read again and again, because we find, if we're honest, that, that we are quite prone to return to works of the law and to think that that our performance, our works, our you know the thing, all these different things that we do, sometimes not even found in Scripture, but just these cultural good works, that somehow those give us standing with God, but in fact they don't. And so we've come now to Galatians chapter four, verses one through seven, which is really an extension of what we've spent the last several times in Galatians looking at, going back to verse 15 of chapter 3, where Paul lays out the relationship of these two covenants here, and really going back even to verse 26, he catapults from this covenantal theology that he's laying out into the reality of what it means to be a son of God, into the reality of adoption and sonship and all of these grand ideas. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. What we're going to see is that Paul takes us from slavery to sonship via adoption in Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and offer a few thoughts. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We ask that as we look at your word this morning, that you would add your blessing to it, that your spirit would illumine our hearts and minds, that we could understand your word, that we would rightly divide your word, that we would believe your word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask this in his most holy and precious name. Amen. Paul writes to the Galatians, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you were sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Well, as I said earlier in this section, Paul takes us from slavery to sonship via adoption by or in Jesus Christ. We see in verses 1 through 3 the, the reality of our slavery. I mean that an heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Here, Paul is reminding us again that the law, this guardian and manager, as he called it here, this tutor, this schoolmaster to lead us to Christ, as he referred to it uh, back in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, here we're reminded again that the law had a particular function. And, and even that, that the law under, under which we were held captive, it had a particular function for a particular time, until the date set by our Father. 
The, the date set for what? Well, the date set for his son being born and for faith being worked in us that we might receive adoption as sons. We can extrapolate from this and we see that the date of our faith, the date of our salvation, however you want to term this, the date of our eyes being open to the truth of the gospel, that even our, our father has set a date even for that. And so this law has been designed to keep us and to to rule us and to manage us and to guard us. So we begin to see here that the law isn't just this negative thing like we often think about it. Yes, it does shut us up in our sin. Yes, it does show us our sin. But remember, it's not the law that causes us to sin. We sin. It's not even in our rebellion against the law. We've talked about this before, that, that the, the surest way to get somebody to do something is to forbid them to do it. That, that's still not the law's fault. Even when the law provokes our flesh in that way, it is still our flesh, not the law, that is the problem. Here, the law is talked about as a guardian, as a manager that was given to us to have this particular function when we were kids, spiritually speaking, enslaved, Paul says, to these elementary principles. But it only had that function for a time. Verses 4 and 5, we see that this adoption that, we're, that Paul's moving us towards comes through Christ. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. See, the law did have a demand on us, a just demand, an actual demand. It did require holiness, but we didn't fulfill that. And so we are under its curse. We are under its punishment, but we are justly under its punishment. And here we're reminded that what Christ came to do was to redeem us from that, and he did that by himself being born under this same law. But he, having in him all, everything that was common to man, yet without sin, everything that was necessary to be man, Christ had. A fallen nature is not necessary for a, a human nature. Therefore, the law didn't provoke Christ to sin, it didn't provoke his flesh as it does ours. His nature wasn't fallen as ours is. And so though he was born under the law, yet he was without sin under the law. And so he was able to redeem us who were under the law. For what purpose? That we might receive adoption as sons. So here, we've moved from slavery, we move from being an heir under the guardian, who Paul says is we're, we're essentially, we're functioning like a slave. In other places, he makes this slavery to sin and death more explicit. But here, we're moved from that, through Christ and his finished work, to being adopted as sons of the Most High God. Verses 6 and 7, he spells out what it means to be a son, what, what our adoption entails. Because you are sons of God... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Here we are faced with this glorious reality. I say face, that perhaps is not the right word. Here we're reminded of this glorious reality of the spirit. 
whose work is in part to remind us that we are children of God. We see this in Romans 8. His spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are sons of God. He, he reminds us it's by him that we say, Abba, Father. He reminds us of our adoption. Now, what do we mean when we talk about being adopted as sons of God? Question 34 of the Shorter Catechism asks is just this question. What is adoption? And it offers this answer. Adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. So the first thing we see is that like justification, it is an act of God's free grace. Whereas justification is an act of God's free grace wherein we're pardoned and accepted as righteous, adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we're counted as, we're received into the number, we're counted as sons of God and we have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. And this is exactly what Paul dives into today, or in the next verse, in verse 7. So then, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. That's our standing. We are heirs with Christ of the Most High God. What he will receive as his inheritance, we receive as ours. A, a while back on uh, our, our podcast here, we went through 1 Peter, and at the very beginning of 1 Peter, we're reminded of this. According to his great mercy, he has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have this inheritance from God that Christ has secured for us, that is ours in him, that is being kept by him, that is imperishable and unfading and undefilable. And that's what we have in Christ. That's what it means to be adopted. We are in God's will, so to speak. His, his last will and testament. When it's read out, we're going to see that there is a share of the divine riches for us because we are his children. See, that's what Paul wants us to get. That's what Paul wanted the Galatians to get, that we're not trying to do something to earn his favor, but because we have been adopted by him because of his free grace, as the catechism reminds us, we have his favor. We are his children. We aren't slaves, but we are sons and therefore heirs together with Christ. So much of the gospel teaches us how we are to think about ourselves before God. And it doesn't lead us to a place of arrogance, of thinking like, oh yeah, he, he made that choice because I was so special. But it leads us to a place of humbly remembering and humbly considering ourselves to be the beloved children of God for whom he sent his son, that we too in him might no longer be slaves, but might receive adoption as sons. And on top of that, he's given us his spirit to constantly bear witness to ours, 
that this is true of us. Might we learn to rest in the goodwill of our gracious Father who sent his Son, Jesus Christ, that we might be counted among the number of heirs of God. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.